then the prophet Zechariah's words after he got his voice back. This is a story that is a familiar part of the Christmas, Advent and Christmas journey. And it is a story that uh, speaks to the messianic deliverance that God had in mind for the people that God had chosen. And it also speaks a little bit of John's joy or Zechariah's joy at the birth of his son, John. And it's a important policy or practice for us to try to read scripture through the mind of those who wrote the scripture or who are described in the scripture. In other words, you could, click, you could quickly recognize in these words Zechariah's familiarity with what he called the Bible, which we would call the Old Testament. The Bible in his day were a series of scrolls written down by uh, starting with Moses and all the way through the various prophets and the various uh, writers of the Psalms and so forth. And these were the scriptures they read when they went to worship. And this all was very familiar to him when he spoke. For example, if you'll turn again in your Bible to uh, Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah 60, which is on page 736 in your pew Bible, Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be sent upon you. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like Zechariah might have been paraphrasing the words that he had grown up and knew by heart from Scripture? He knew and expected God to do exactly what he now sees God doing. It comes as no surprise to him, but it did once. And that's why we need to take a minute to consider the rest of the story. Now, if you go forward in, in, uh, to Luke again, and, and I, I would recommend you keep your thumb on that Isaiah reading and go back and reread it in its entirety. It's a beautiful reading. It's some of that stuff that makes our Christmas better because that, that sort of beautiful language has become ingrained in our language for this season of the year. But going back to the Gospel of Luke and, and to the beginning of the first chapter, and near the beginning, the birth of John foretold in verse 5, and I want to paraphrase what happened there. So Zechariah was a priest of the temple, and, and the priests were divided into groups, and the scripture tells us this, that, that there were groups of priests from various regions, and, and uh, uh, they each took turns, you know, caring for the temple. I mean, it was a round-the-clock thing, and uh, there were groups of them that were scheduled, and it was their turn, not unlike, you know, when you're scheduled to usher here in church or to help with the readings or something, and this was the way it was with them, although the responsibilities were far greater and, and the sense of, of uh, seriousness about it was significant because for Jewish people to go that close to the heart of the temple was no small thing. This was to be in the very presence of God. And the priest who was selected by Lot to actually go into the Holy of Holies to be right there where the throne of God on earth is mirroring the throne of God in heaven 
that that was considered the utmost privilege, but also one of the most terrifying things you could do. Um, legend says that the priests who went that far into the center of the temple often had a, a, a robe or a rope rather tied around their ankle that they trailed behind them so that should they die in there, people could reel them back out without actually going into the presence as well. So, you know, it's kind of a fascinating, interesting thing, but they did have bells on them, uh, on their robes, and this was so that you could hear them moving around in there doing their work. And that was another indication that they were still surviving the presence of God. So they were, they were meant to take it very seriously, which is why Zechariah's story stands out in a way that we might miss. Because you see, Zechariah was chosen, which was a great honor. He went into the presence. He went to that very place where one expected to encounter God. And the angel Gabriel appeared. And the angel Gabriel told him that he and his old wife Elizabeth, they were both too old to have children, would have a son and that he would be a very special part of God's plan. And, and, and Zechariah is startled, first of all, to encounter an angel in there. So the first thing it's telling us that is kind of interesting is, is that he went in there not really expecting anything extraordinary to happen. That's kind of interesting, considering the, the, the nature of the experience. But let's just, let's just be honest about ourselves and then we'll be able to understand Zechariah a little better. You hear that things happen sometimes in church. You hear that people break out in tongues. You, you hear that miracles happen from time to time. You, you hear that revival happens. You, you know that these things do happen in church because you've heard of it happening other places, but you don't really expect it here. In fact, you, you might even be frightened or embarrassed if it happened here. I'm not saying I wouldn't be a little startled because we all have this tendency to not expect much from God just because we're not looking for much from God. And so Zechariah is in a place and a time when it was entirely plausible, when it was considered a high holy honor to enter into the presence of God. And for some reason, he was startled that somebody actually showed up to greet him there. Someone who later would say, uh, Zechariah, I work with God. I am in the presence of God even as we speak. You know how often I've told you that we've got to realize that God exists outside of space and time and, and that whenever God enters into time, apart from the incarnation, it's always somehow he's opening this sort of portal between our existence and the eternal timeless place where God exists. And so when Gabriel says, um, you can't see him, but I'm standing right next to him. You know, he is. I mean, and Zechariah is, is not wrapping his mind around this. Now, granted, we are all a little guilty at times when we encounter the unexpected of trying to make sense of it through what we know. And I guess that's okay, because what else would you do? But there again, 
if you were trained like Zechariah as a priest, if you had been raised in scripture and raised with the expectation that God shows up, maybe then that would be part of what informs your interpretation of the experience. So why was Zechariah so surprised to encounter the chief of God's angels, messengers. I don't have an answer for that. I just noticed that the scripture tells us that. Let's, let's just look at that for a second. Um, see, I'll jump up here. The, uh, do, 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 do. How about this? Verse 18, chapter one. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So he's just been told that he's gonna have a baby. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And, you know, that's pretty clear. And this is what happens to Zechariah. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Think about that. He didn't even get a chance to say, don't, <laughs> as he's already silent. <laughs> it's too late. Too late, Zech. You kind of blew it, buddy. Or we could see it as a gift, because here's what we know now in retrospect. Months later, after people had gotten used to the fact that Zechariah was not able to talk, after his experience in the Holy of Holies. Would you say with me for a moment that this may have been something more than just an encounter for Zechariah's sake? Do you suppose that maybe Zechariah's whole division of priests and perhaps everyone, you know, because it said that all these people were outside, you know, praising God. And of course, this is a job that you don't know you're going to get until you get your name drawn. And so it was a big deal for Zechariah. I'm sure his family was there, his relatives, all the people that know him back home. You know, this was a big deal. He got to do this very high, holy thing. And, and imagine that he goes silent. The little tingly bells on his robe aren't ringing anymore. Maybe a couple of big old burly guys are getting ready to reel him out, right? And, and then finally, he kind of walks out. Just ashen, silent, utterly astonished by what's just happened, unable to speak. And I'll show you in a minute where it indicates in Scripture that he probably couldn't hear either. And, and they're all stunned. And you've got to imagine that at various levels in this, in, in this uh, experience, even the people on the outside watching must have thought, wow. Something happened in there. Something really happened in there. Now, every day, people watched the priests go in and out. And all the high holy days, they saw the priests go in and out. They saw the whole process. It was routine. It was routine. You probably came to church this morning and said, oh, look, Pastor Dan's wearing a robe. He never wears a robe. You did, didn't you? I hear you giggling because, because you did see that and notice it. Like something different happened. I don't think this has anything to do with the scripture, but I'll just tell you that I've had a knack and a kind of irritating habit of changing things up on people periodically just because I don't like them to get comfortable. 
I mean, ask my children. So yeah, you know, change is healthy and I have a tendency to, you know, I'd maybe do it for my own sake, but that's another story. Look what happened. They didn't expect Zechariah to have such a profound experience. They didn't expect a profound experience and everybody had one. And they couldn't make any sense of it. And he couldn't tell them. And in this moment, I don't imagine that he had anything to say if he had been able to speak. Here's when you know, and again, I don't mean to make this personal, but I know myself well enough. You can always tell when I have reached a moment of, of you know, like astonishment or, 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 you know, when I'm speechless, when I can't think of the words to say how I'm experiencing a particular situation, that's powerful for me because, because I love words and I love to write and I, you know, and it's like, wow, when I can't have, when I don't have words, that's a big deal for me. So I can relate to this. I can, I can imagine Zechariah, uh, how much you want to bet Zechariah probably liked to talk. I'm just guessing because, you know, God could have taken his sight. God could have taken something else. But for, for whatever reason, God says, you know what? I think it'd be a good idea for you to shut up for about eight and a half months. Right. You know, and, and I don't mean that again as a criticism of Zechariah, because I actually believe this was a blessing. I think this was God doing him a favor. And I think I can relate to that because silence is such a precious thing and it's hard to find. So jumping now to the conclusion of today's story, we get to the place where in, uh, we'll go to verse, chapter one, verse uh, da, 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 57. I get mixed up because if you're looking at the Bible the way I am, Mary's Magnificat and Zechariah's prophetic song both looks the same until you start getting close to reading. And well, you know, my eyesight's not as good as it used to be. So I want to get this right. So at verse 57, we see the time of Elizabeth uh, came to, for her to give birth to her son and, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. Isn't that interesting? That it, it's saying that the time of the birth came and then the neighbors found out you know, I don't know, imagine you're 72 years old and you're pregnant. Probably something you're going to keep to yourself until there's no denying it, right? And Zechariah is not saying. So imagine this. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with Elizabeth, but sounds like something big's going down at their house, you know? And I hear they called a midwife. Are you kidding me? So that was a big deal in their neighborhood. By the way, some of you have been to that neighborhood. You just didn't know it at the time. Um, tell you about that some other time, but, but it's a beautiful wooded hilly place to the south and west of Jerusalem. And then when the child is born, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, nope. He shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father. There you go. He couldn't hear. See it? They made signs to his father. And then his father grabbed a pencil and paper and he wrote down, his name's John. Well, it also gives you a little bit of an idea how they treated women in those days because mom said his name is John and 
Nobody believed it until they made signs to dad and dad said, you heard her. <laughs> I'm deaf and I heard her. <laughs> you know. So here he is now having fulfilled his part in faith. Yes, his name is John. Yes, everything that's happened has happened according to what I was told by the angel months ago. And it is, I now know, all part of God's greater plan. Not only did he keep his promise to me that even in our old age, we would have a son. And I, you know, sorry, ladies, but in those days, a son was a big deal, especially. We can talk more about that in Sunday school or in some other setting, but just know that. But Zechariah has also had a lot of time to think. You know, if you couldn't talk and you couldn't hear, what would it be like? How much more in-depth thinking would you do? How much more would you draw, how would you draw closer to the Lord? I mean, think about that for a minute because this is what happened to him. He started out as a guy who went into the very presence of God, not expecting to encounter God. He ended as a guy whose first words as he has regained his voice are prophetic interpretations from the Old Testament about the messianic hope that is the New Testament. I told you last week that Mary was the first Christian. Well, guess who the next round of Christians are? Elizabeth and Zechariah, maybe a few of their neighbors. They don't know how all this is going to play out, but they know that God is at work, fulfilling every promise God ever made. Whatever your circumstances, God is at work, and every promise God ever made will be fulfilled. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I pray you burn it upon our hearts that we might change forever because of the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.